Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Feature Podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Today, we are recording at the Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the first day of the Dragon Con. And um, I've got a very special friend, Alexi Vandenberg, who here under the auspices of Bard's Tower, but I originally met him, I think, I guess about 10 years ago, we just agreed upon. Yes, yes, And so, welcome Alexi. Oh, John, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate being here. You know, this is a wonderful thing that you're doing for the writers and illustrators of the future. It's, it's funny because, you know, um, Bard's Tower and Rabbit Fanboy both kind of emerged together in certain ways, but, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see at, at shows like this, old friends and so on, especially after, you know, the 2020. Yeah, absolutely. You know. that was, that's, that's been a year that definitely ha- nice to have behind us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then, how did Alexi Vandenberg get involved with books initially? Uh, that's a long and circumloquacious tale. Um, I Good actually, word. Good word. <laughs> Uh, I started uh, Rabbit Film Boy Marketing, which was my first company, which I planned, frankly, to do television marketing. Uh, Television marketing for pop culture entertainment directly into uh, the fanboy, the fan community. And what happened was, is that Kevin Anderson, who is a judge for Writers of the Future, and also also best-selling author and so on, saw what I was doing on a, a television show that I was marketing, and what I did is, is that he came up to me. He's like, Alexi, um, have you ever done any book marketing? I was like, no, no, I haven't. I wouldn't know where to start. Uh, you know, it's not my industry and so on. He's like, well, that's good because I don't think the publishers know quite about what they're marketing either. And uh, after talking to him for some time, um, his press, which is Wordfire, needed a business plan. And a marketing, you know, a marketing development plan and an IP development plan. So what we did is we sat down and we talked. One of the things that we had agreed upon was to do essentially a mobile booth for Wordfire Press authors. A lot of which are, have applied and are students of, of writers and illustrators of, of uh, the future. So uh, for some time we did that. And then eventually what happened was is that logistically it was too much. So what happened is, is that I ended up taking the concept of the mobile booth and turning it into Bart's Tower, which is now the only uh, nationally operating bookstore that you know travels from convention to convention, entirely devoted to pop culture entertainment. But what's so cool about Bard's Tower is the authors that you've got there. It's just oh, it's absolutely. a who's who, and it's just such fun. Just going, just walking around, just seeing all these major name authors. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, I am truly happy to see who I have there. You know, Eric Flint, uh, Kevin J. Anderson, Jody Lynn Nye, Jim Butcher, uh, all of these amazing authors that are, you know, Absol- at the booth. Absolutely. Now, this is obviously the Rise of Future podcast, so I know that people will be listening to this. If they're a, a writer, what has to happen for them to be able to even enter? Your, your world or your your um, oh, that's outer, a, outer sphere of, of consideration. Of consideration. Uh, that, that's a, in many ways, it's an ad hoc basis. Um, what I would have to say is, is that 
a lot of it has to do with the author, the author's personality, what they have produced, of course, and, you know, in consideration, and then they slowly begin to come into the tower. I guess. <laughs> so now, um, that's actually, so Bard's Tower, obviously William Shakespeare? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, your, your mock-up, your attire, is you're definitely dashing, swashbuckling. <laughs> so how did that come to be? You've got your, your cap, your hat. My your, hat, my, my coat. Your boots, uh, everything. Interestingly enough, I needed to be seen on the floor by my team. And I'm a tiny little Mediterranean man. <laughs> so what happened was is that I was like, okay, I need to do something that just so everybody can go, ah, that's the guy who, who, you know, we can talk to. He's, you know, it's easy because these show floors, as you well know, are highly crowded. They're, they're bustling all the time. Mm -hmm. Everything is moving around constantly. So I needed to be able to be seen and identified quickly. So I did that. And, of course, you know, the, the hat and the coat go a long way of, of making me highly identifiable. Absolutely. Uh, but also what happens is that uh, you know, I was first introduced to literature rather young, and it was, of course, William Shakespeare. So, you know, that, that's where that ties in. And also, I was a, uh, uh, you know, when I was very young, I was in the Orlando Shakespeare Festival's Young Company. Oh, wow. Uh, which actually taught me how to speak. Uh, I was, uh, I, I'm actually quite a shy person. So this was actually a good way for me to... Well, you uh, have a good way of covering it up with your demeanor, your outfit. It's like... I am an affable fake. <laughs> you know, I am... Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I train authors now because, you know, uh, in terms of how to present themselves and how to speak and so on and so forth. And a lot of it is, uh, I'm like, you know, it's not an act, but it is a performance. You know, you have to just, you know, exemplify various aspects of your own personality and move forward from there. It's interesting you, you talk about that, because one of the things with Writers and Illustrators of the Future, after the workshop is over, Emily and I give a, week, give a, um, a seminar on how to do media, how to do PR, Absolutely. how to do radio, TV, book signings, interviews, um, yeah. you know, how, to, how to, to talk, what to do, what not to do, how to present your book, how to... Make sure you get your message in no matter what. And mm -hmm. if it's not what the host wants to have, how do you, how do you bridge over and get your message in? That's a, a key thing we do. So that you work with your authors too on how to do, is that the same line of stuff you're Absolutely. talking about there? Absolutely. And I mean, Writers of the Future does an amazing job preparing young, uh, young authors for essentially the realities of the experiential workplace. You know. Yeah. Now, it was in volume 36, two volumes ago, that uh, when I posted the work for Ben Hill, yes. you said, who's that guy? How do I get a hold of him? Because I like his work. You've got some idea, you got some potential job for him. What happened with that? Um, no, he, uh, honestly, we did talk. We did, we did maneuver around things. And, and you know, he is, uh, he's a good person. He knows, knows what he's doing. Yeah. So now, that opens up then, like, do you do stuff that connect people up to Absolutely. art illustrators up with art writers and stuff like that? Absolutely. Uh, that, that's part of the job, is being able to, to say to an author, listen, 
you know, as you're preparing your work, you know, these, this is what you need to look at and, and how to do. And if, if you need an artist, these are people that I recommend. These are people that, you know, I think that could produce a body of, of work for your product mm -hmm. that will be both eye-catching and, uh, and lucrative for both of you. And so, yes, that's, that's certainly part of it. Good. Now, I'm doing your, the shows. You're the, you know, you're, you travel around from event to event and you come in the day before and you set up. I'm assuming you're the one that does the, before you put on your dashing attire, you're... I, oh, I do takedown. Uh, I do. I set do. Set up and take down. Set up and take down. With a different outfit. With a completely different outfit. No, no, no. It's not conducive to that. And it's actually funny because I know it works because people have literally come up to the tower before as I'm setting up or taking down and have said, I need to speak to Alexi. And I'm like, uh, okay. And they're like, where is he? I'm right here, man. They're like, wait, what happened? What happened to the hat? What happened? Yeah. I was like, Guys, I don't wear that every day. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like me putting on a, a suit and tie. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. So now you travel. You said you do forty, maybe fifty shows a year. Yeah. So um, obviously, it started small and just grew, or did it just, yes. did you already did you start like a hundred miles an hour? A combination of both, actually. I mean, there was a great deal of ground that was covered by Word Fire Press and the Word Fire Press booth. Uh, me expanding it to its current stature, you know, it took time. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it's I did have a little bit of a jump, uh, a jump start there. So, so, so you started with a, a TV or movie uh, marketing company, and then yeah. does that still exist, or is it no. now you just no? Okay. I, I am I am now purely within the book industry, and I'm in well within that sphere. Right. So now for an aspiring writer, um, you're dealing with the people that have already made that, that hump into mm -hmm. uh, stardom, bestseller status. Yes. But in terms of what your experience is, in terms of a writer that, that really wants to make it over there, you've, you've focused on conventions. That's yes. your thing, and you sell just a ton of books well, at conventions. Yes, and we also do more traditional methods of marketing and development as well. Now, if, if there is an author who is looking to develop their career, yeah. one thing about the Towers is that it's a great incubator in terms of bringing young authors together with seasoned professionals, and it gives them an idea of what works, what doesn't work, what is professional behavior, what, you know, what is the expectation of an author, and, and, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. That's good. So, that's, so it is something that if a person, not the level of Kevin Anderson or Jim Butcher, but if they're substantially below that, they still have an opportunity oh, based, based upon what they've, the words that they've got they can sell and uh, their personality. Their works, their personality, whether or not their, they're, you know, I mean, availability is a, a, a certainly a part of this as well. Mm -hmm. And it slowly has to move from there. I get but it. yes, certainly. Okay, good. So now, do you have any particular favorite shows? And if so, what makes them favorite for you? Uh, uh, I have a lot of favorite shows. And, and, and it, it's a... It's nebulous because I'll put it this way. There are some shows that do certain things amazingly well. There's a show that is actually a lower population show that I absolutely adore going to, specifically because the culture there and the warm welcome is so amazing. 
and that you know they're they're open to writers. They really want to talk to you. They really want that one-on-one interaction, and it's great. And then there are other shows that are very large shows. I mean, Dragon Con is amazing. That still has that atmosphere to it. But there are also shows that are, you know, some shows, it's just the marketplace. You know, they're hungry for it. It's, a, it's an amazing thing there. So there, it's, there's a long list of criteria <laughs> uh, on how you can look at shows. I mean, you know, Dragon Con is, is massive. Yeah. But it also has a lot of a atmosphere of fun and excitement and so on. But it's also a place where, you know, where there is a lot of energy. And sometimes for people who want a little more quiet of an experience, this is clearly not the place for that. Clearly. You know, but then there are other shows that have a very warm, welcoming thing, but they don't have the people. It, it, so it all... It all is a balance. Yeah. Now, do you have some shows where you have, like, a smaller booth and other shows where you have a large We're designed to be very modular. Our design is ultimately this, that we can shrink or grow to fit the size of your show. Uh, sometimes more so than others, but, you know, I mean, there's certain shows that obviously we can't go to. If you have a 500-person convention, I'm not going to a 500-person convention. Right. I, I just... Yeah. That's a bad day. But, you know, you know, there are plenty of other shows out there that have the, you know, a nice population. They're open, they're 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 welcoming and so. On. Yeah. For someone who wants to get together with you, what's the best way they go about? They can reach me on uh, I am on all social media. And they can reach out to me either uh, Bard's Tower or Rabbit Fanboy Marketing. They can also reach out to me in terms of things such as um, my website, which is rabidfanboy.com, or also um, bartstower.com, or also through the other two companies, which are, you know, Prince of Cats Literary Productions, as well as uh, the Supervillain Network. Okay, good. Excellent. So now on, with respect to, like I said, being writers of the future, um, and you dealing with a lot of, of writers. Yes. What have you experienced? Because you, you're you're standing right next to these guys dealing with their fans, dealing mm -hmm. with potential fans. What have you observed? Are some of the we can go into this a little bit more detail as well. Some of the do's and don'ts for a writer or an artist for that matter too on how to deal proper well, manners. Well, I mean, I I think there are several things. Uh, first of all, remember that an author is a brand and their books are a product. If you have a bad brand experience, I, I don't care how many products you have out, they're not gonna sell because people don't want the brand. So what people have to remember is, is that you are a public figure, as it were. You actually have to be that public figure and it is, you know, if somebody comes forward and is like, hey, listen, this writer was rude to me, they're not going to buy his books again. Right. So what you need to do is remember, you are, you know, you're a public figure and behave as such as a public figure. You also have to remember that every, every good experience is multiplied three times. Every bad experience is multiplied 30. Wow, that's a datum. 
we live in an experiential marketplace. Um, when I was a kid, you know, if you wanted to buy a car, your parents used to go to a dealership and they'd come back with like, you know, booklets and, you know, they'd have all the nice pretty pictures of the car in there. It might actually have a, even a palette on the side of, uh, of what, you know, what vinyl, you know, what the vinyl yeah. seats could look <laughs> yeah, at and right. so on. And, and you looked at that and then you compared it to the blue book value of the car and you looked at gas mileage and price and all of that and eventually you settled on what you can afford for the best possible price. You know, this is what I want, this is what we need, and this is what I can afford. We no longer do that, not as much as we used to. We live in an experiential marketplace. You go to your friends and you go, where did you go? Were they cool with you? Did you like, you know, did you like your experience? Did, you know, were they nice? Mm -hmm. These are things that we all do and our ability to spread that along is certainly large. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, this is, I'm glad we're talking about this stuff because this is, this is fascinating here. Mm -hmm. So now, you're a writer, you lay an egg. Mm -hmm. You know, you uh, just said something or did something, it was like, oh no, you know, what can a person do this shy of, of hiring a, a PR agency to... Well, I mean, there's a lot they can do, uh, certainly more so than they could do in the past. I mean, we live in an interconnected world. We live in a world where there are tools all around you for what you can do to market and develop. Right. Um, what I would honestly do is, uh, first of all, there's a lot of research that goes into it, but also there are people and resources that you can go to to essentially learn. I mean, you know, you don't want a marketing degree. Right. But you want to learn what works for you. How does it work? Why is it important? And, you know, how does it build from there? Good. So then, all right, so then a person goes ahead and, I mean, sometimes I've seen people that are just, they have their little cliched, mm -hmm. you know, things they, they say it's just, they're not really totally there with you. They just, they have their little signature. Oh, you know, I, 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 I call those the rubber stamp people. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. They, they you know, they, 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 they rubber stamp the book. And again, there is a, an experience here and people want your attention. I mean, as a person who frankly is quite shy, I would say this, we would all like to, to, you know, writers definitely want to sit in their, their place and, you know, have a screen up and write and, you know, and, and talk to the imaginary people in their heads. Absolutely. Right. But when you, we no longer live in a world where you can just be the wild man on the mountain who throws a manuscript down every once in a while, you actually have to interact with your fans. Right. And you have to make sure it's a positive interaction. You also have to be that person to remember that, okay, if I want to vent online, for instance, remember, that is there forever. Hasty words do not become us. Right. You know. I think that's, I've come over this a couple times with past guests too, is like, the internet is forever. That is such is a forever. true statement. So, with respect to 
what is appropriate and not appropriate to put on the internet. I mean, there's obviously you're not going to say um, foul language, although some people get into it. I know there's, there's some authors that are known for being very... Bellicose. Yes, on the internet. Um, and, I would put it this way. If that is going to be your brand, yeah. then go with that brand. But remember, there's a drawback to there's a drawback to each of these. And each brand and each decision you make is going to affect that brand. So you're going to have, for lack of a better term, you need to have an understanding of what you're doing when you say things. Um, you know, you don't want to be the person who is only using me, uh, social media and the marketing uh, opportunities of things like social media just to, for instance, sell your book. But you also have to limit your personal interaction as well. It's a fine balance. Very much so. Yeah, because some, I mean, I know some of the authors, they take out any of their things on just saying, this is my cat. Yeah. Uh, here's my cat. They're, they're into their, their feline friends and more cats than dogs. And, and, and sometimes it's a question of, you know, I mean, I, I have genuinely said on a couple of occasions to an author, is this the hill you really want to die on? <laughs> you know, if, it, if you feel that strongly about it, you know, feel, then you feel very strongly about it. Um, if you can avoid it, then you avoid it. But you need to pick and choose that battle. Yeah, because you know? one thing you're going to have is you can go on and say, I am very... I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm communist, I'm and just take your rant on that, which I've seen some authors do. Yes, and again, as so long as they understand that to each statement like that, there's a drawback. Right, because um, the people that are on that are no longer going to be interested in your books. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that's something that I think, I mean, you see a lot in Hollywood, right, where I hail from, you know, where... And this goes back to the statement that the internet is forever. Someone made a statement 15 years ago, 20 years ago, which then was like, ha, 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 and now it becomes incendiary. Exactly. And so now careers are ended when a post from 20 years ago is unearthed. And you said this. Yeah, but there's, yeah, buts don't work. Well, uh, James Gunn. Yep. You know, James Gunn, I mean, when he was very much younger and I, you know I will say this thank God I am not of the age of children now because I mean we grew up in a time where our hasty words of youth were hasty words of youth and easily forgotten right now our hasty words of youth stay with us forever and I, I don't think that's a uh, particularly healthy you know, I, it's certainly for myself. I mean, yeah. you know, I would have to say that my hasty words of youth, if they were available at any time for any amount of research, yeah, that would be difficult. Yeah, with Writers of the Future, we are, I'm very non-political. I'm very non-incendiary. I wouldn't call it, you know, just bland, but I just, I stay focused on writers and illustrators. I stay focused on on supporting writers, I'll, I'll reshare their, their posts. And if they on their own count are very incendiary with their stuff, 
If they're, you know, I'll support past winners. I support all of our all judges. Right. But I keep it, I try to keep on focus to that. And I try to tell the, the winners as well when we talk to them, like, just realize that. And they, it's, maybe it's unreal to them. Well, now I'm just, I'm feeling my oats. I've got this, I've got that. I've, I can just say what I want to say. And I think this is wrong. It's a social injustice that's going on. And I'm going to say my piece. And then all and of a sudden the table and turns. That, and, and, and we do not want a world of mute authors. Right. But we also don't want a, a world, you know, but we also have to un have an understanding that for everything that is said, you know, for, every, you know, th there's an old meme, which is, um, you know, somebody saying, a, 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 is, um, somebody saying on the internet, why, yes, you're right, and I will reconsider my position, said no one ever. Um, <laughs> there is a point of saying what you think, but understanding that that, that point and that, that, that thought is something, if you have an understanding of what the repercussions of that could be, I, I think you're okay. Yeah. Now, would you recommend, because I know some people have done two accounts. One's a, a private personal account. Oh, absolutely. And the other one then uh, is you the... Should have a, you should have a friends-only account. And then you should have, you know, no friends of friends, just your friends. That's where you put, you know, photos of your family and your kids and your dog and your cat and so on. And then a professional account where you can, you know, have a more leeway in terms of, of your books, the opportunity, uh, uh, you know, you have as a writer and so on and so forth. And that's a little bit less personalized, mm -hmm. if, it is, if, if I can say it like that. Yeah. So now, in terms of, of coaching and working with your uh, with writers, whether mm -hmm. they are people that are at, well, first of all, actually, do you actually have people that you work with that, are, that don't participate in Bard's Tower? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Okay, so then you can actually coach and you work with authors. Oh, absolutely. Whether they make it to Bard's Tower. Do you, yeah. do you recommend that, as a matter of course, that people go to conventions? Um, as a matter of course, I would like people to go to conventions. I think that the community of, of conventions is a, uh, it's a good way to get creative juices flowing. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to get inspiration. It's also a good way to learn from your peers. Um, I, I am also, I mean, I am a product of fandom. Um, you know, up until, up until really uh, my development of Rabbit Fanboy. You know, I, my biggest claim to fame was I was a young kid in Central Florida fandom. And I was essentially taken in as everybody's kid brother. And it was wonderful. And it was a good way to grow up. It was a good way to learn. And you learn, if you look around, there are so many aspects of fandom that people are not understanding. For instance, merchants. You know, each one of these people here is, is essentially a business unto themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like Writers of the Future you know, is here doing what they do. There are people selling art. There are people selling that. Each business is different. And each person who is running that business runs it differently. Some for good, for, some for ill. But it's still nonetheless there. You're able to learn from those examples. You're also able to see what other people are doing. And say, oh, I, I'm going to adopt what is useful. And mm -hmm. I am going to discard what is not. You know, and this is, this is a, a, a wonderful place to grow. 
it's also a place where you're going to find like-minded individuals that you can talk to, you can build off of. I mean, ironically, I have so many authors at Bart's Tower who say, you know, I learned more just being at the tower and listening to other authors, you know, pitch their books, talk about what they're doing here, doing there, than any other class that I have ever gone to. Because it is that, that opportunity to be with both your peers, but also people who have done this for quite some time, and you're able to absorb what you need from that. Absolutely. That's great. So now, on the, on the subject matter of what to say and not to say, so a person comes up, and so now you're an author, and a guy says, I just got your book, can you sign it for me, please? Are there any, like, best practices on what an author should do on that, how to even deal with the whole conversation, because it, it does. Oh, uh, I'm very, I mean, first of all, be gracious. This is somebody who has invested their time and their money into reading your book. So, you, well, yeah, hi, how are you doing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, what's your name? How do I spell that? Because is it John with one N or is it John with an H? Is it, you know, is it John with two Ns? Is it, you know, is it J? Is it Y? You know, tell me, you know, tell me that. Oh, oh, that's an interesting way you spell your name. Plain old J-O-H-N. So, you know, and you begin to build that rapport. Because, again, this is one of a hundred interactions you're going to have with somebody during a show. But to them, it's unique. Right. And to them, each one is a memory and an experience. One thing I've noticed, I remember years and years ago now when Kevin Anderson was was just a young pup as being a, a best-selling author. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll say him because he's a really good friend I've worked with for years. And when he, he'd come like to a bookstore in, in, in Los Angeles for a book signing or a book tour, he'd call me and say, can you come there and just bring some friends? And at the beginning is what I brought to the, his book signing yeah. um, was the most people that, that came. And it, it happens. Yeah, um, but, but the point being is that his, he was such a gracious and nice person, and it builds up, because then when he comes back to exactly. that bookstore, those people will be back, plus they'll bring their friends back, and it continues exactly. to grow. And that's what I'm saying about an experiential uh, marketplace. We live in a world where our, we share experiences, and uh, we're doing that more and more. I mean, I'll put it this way. The number of people who don't, won't fly United after, uh, after a, a gentleman was filmed being escorted the plane and unjustly, that affected their bottom line. Yeah. Because they, you know, every person who saw that film experienced that with that person. It might be a secondary experience, but they still saw it. Mm -hmm. They still witnessed it. And in many ways, they were sharing that experience with everybody else. Yeah, and uh, right now with, uh, with the cell phones, everybody's, everybody is a, a newscaster. Oh, yes, very much so. And all it takes then is just, even if you don't feel good when mm -hmm. you're there at a, at a book signing, you know, and you just feel like taking it out, the recommendation would be like, bite your nope. tongue. Bite your tongue. You're a pro. Act like a pro, 
Later on, whatever you need to do to handle it, go punch a pillow, scream into it, you know, if you have to, you know, you know, competitive sports, whatever it takes to get that, that anger out, do it. And then, you know, it's done. Right. But yeah, never, never in front of the guests. Because even if I'm talking to you right now, but it doesn't mean it's not somebody else 10 feet away who's got their camera because they see you as being a famous author. So they've got, they're taking a picture Absolutely. or they're doing a video and then all of a sudden something happens and it goes south very rapidly. Certainly. All of a sudden now that's unbeknownst to you, that now becomes public domain. Absolutely. Now, Certainly. Do you ever have it come up where someone is... Um, an author's there, and someone comes up to them, and they're upset. They didn't like the way the last book ended, or they didn't think that that person should have been killed off, and so they vent their upset over that. As, as a as a pro, you have to take that. Um, it, it's it, you know that person might feel very strongly about that, but it is also something where you have to serve the right you know your rights as an author. It's your property. Mm -hmm. If you want to do it, this is, you know, this. And if that person is upset about it, honestly, that's in a way a good thing. Yeah. They care enough to be upset about what you did. Um, there are also people out there who are very excited uh, about, you know, I'll put it this way. It's never usually one-sided, you know. For every person who says, you did something horrible to this character, another person said, yeah, but it was great. You know, and, and that's, that's something that you have to consider and revel in. Yeah, I think it's, see, this is really good. I'm, when I realize Alexi's here and I can ask him <laughs> for this interview because you've got a, you've got, um, a view that very few others have. You're, oh, you know, well, you're not you. the, 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 the New York Times best-selling author. You're the person that coaches and works with them and yes. helps them to sell their books, introduce them to, to increasing their fan base. Absolutely. So that's why I'm interested in like pulling every little ounce of information I can because this is kind of stuff that people need to know if they're Absolutely. very sincere about building their careers. Certainly. Certainly. So have you experienced somebody actually we don't have to go into names, but doing it wrong and the, oh, and the there are a lot of people who have done it wrong, and there have been repercussions. Um, you know, there are things that you have to uh, worry about and consider uh, on all aspects. And I have seen authors who have made missteps in the past, certainly. Good. So now, I would imagine just like if you're able to to that person, but maybe you can't apologizing to them would be like. I mean, if, if it's something that really was a. If there's, a, if there's something that an author has done that is, that is untoward, um, then certainly uh, an apology is, in my experience, the first step to forgiveness. Uh, the second step to forgiveness is making efforts to, you know, make amends. And third is don't do it again, whatever, whatever trans that transgression was. Right. Yes. So, um, now there's, within the science fiction community and fandom community, there's definite subcultures within it. Well, certainly. You know, so... Um, fandom in general is, is broad and diverse, and uh, it's broad, it's diverse, 
it has its own, you know, there in each aspect there are various subcultures, you know, you know, ranging from people who like, you know, for instance, books, games, TV shows, movies. These are only the broadest of categories. They can be subdivided down. There might be somebody who, you know, yes, I like books, but that guy over there, no, absolutely not. You know, I like this person. And then, the you know, this is, in many ways, the debate of fandom is also a healthy heartbeat for the fandom. I'll, I'll say this, that, uh, you know, the, the number of conversations that have gone on as to, you know, Kirk versus Picard, you know, who's the better captain, you know, and, and that, that's a sharp dividing line, even within that subgroup of, of Trekkies, you know. And then, you know, you have somebody who comes in and goes, By, you're both crazy, it's the Cisco, you know, and it goes from there. That's healthy. That's, you want that. Mm -hmm. um, that's people who are engaged in the, in the product and in, in the property. So now you've got, um, within these subcultures of fandom, mm -hmm. is it advisable or is it possible to be able to safely surf all of them and stay, stay above the, stay on the board and not get totally thrown like we get into, I know in, in fandom, a couple years ago, the whole fiasco was, was sad puppies, you know, so it definitely, oh. you definitely had a very s severe schism there. I have friends on both sides of that, and, and I will be blunt about it and say that I think that there are elements, uh, there are elements and kernels of truth that, that both sides have, uh, uh, have a validity to their argument, but are highly hyperbolic about all of their arguments. I mean, my personal opinion on on anything in regards to something like that is, is that we're all still one fandom. We're all f still one culture. And we need to remember that, that, you know, regardless of our, our the strength of our opinions and the, divi and the divides that we have within fandom, we're still all fandom. We're still all members of of the science fiction fantasy community and that pop culture entertainment in general has to recognize that 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 growth. Yeah. With um, see it's interesting with writers of the future because we have no idea who the people are that are winners. Mm -hmm. So we've got the whole Oh very much so. We've got we've got the whole spectrum as winners. I can imagine that. Yeah. You know? that, that's and that's, and that's interesting, and I'm sure it creates very, very lively debates. It does indeed, and it's, um, but it's good because it's, a, it's about the art, it's about writing, Absolutely. it's about, you know, recognizing those who are special, the ones that can actually write, a, tell a good story, you know? Certainly, and, certainly, certainly. And so now it makes for a special, you know, a few years ago we had to start putting in like, whoever wanted to have the, the badges that says, you know, uh, gender identity, if they wanted to do that. Certainly. That's become a very integral part of, a part of fandom. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, there, there's, I mean, for several reasons. One of which is, is that, um, you know, fandom's all about self-expression. And it's all about being able to express yourself. And, uh, 
you know, what more having an identity is 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 first and foremost the claiming of of what you love and what you want to love. So I'll put it this way. Um, you know, the that kind of expression is is important. It's necessary, and it's absolutely uh, should be lauded. You know, certainly. Mm -hmm. So, any tips on on how a person can best navigate that so that if a person themselves, like right now we see it, I experience it. You know, so I'm wearing you know masks everywhere I go, and some people are like. I hate masks, it's the most ridiculous thing, and so it's just, you know, so that's, that's one that everybody can agree that there's opinions I think on. That, I think that, you know, just cautiously and mindfully, and you should be okay, and remember, you know, the golden rule, treat, you know, you know, treat somebody else as you would wish to be treated. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think that's, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, because it's, it's unfortunate because mm -hmm. people win the contest because of you're a great writer, yeah. and and they're a um, a great artist. But it's it's one of those things that uh, not everybody has this understanding of of manners. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, I think it's uh, it's great that we've been have, had a chance to uh, do this uh, interview here. John, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate this. Absolutely, and thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Rise of Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. We've also been globally syndicated on the United Public Radio Network. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much. Thank you, John. You have a good one.